Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back with Ayers on the Road. And we have been on the road this week, uh, burning up the road from Salt Lake City to Bear Lake. Getting ready for uh, yet another big reunion. We call it the Ayer Realm Annual Reunion. Is that what we call it? Well, yeah. we call it different things, but... Uh, we're going to have a lot of kids together, a lot of grandkids, a lot of people in one place. Don't you have sort of a love-hate relationship with reunions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we used to say, please stay a week. Let's, let's stay a week. And then now we say, uh, maybe let's do three and a half days. Well, with but, most, but a lot of our kids are there well, this for is nearly the, a month. This well, this is, is the fun thing. Yeah, we have children who live all over creation. They're coming from Switzerland, from London, from Hawaii, from New York City. Um, Phoenix going on and on. And so we only get this one chance to have them all together. Uh, during the year. So uh, as of the 1st of July, which is tomorrow, uh, we'll have between 15 and 50 at our house. And that's our there. peak, 50. No more. We cut it off at we 50, off folks. 50. Yep. If you're number 51, forget it. Go find your own reunion. And we, we're we not in charge. Luckily, our kids are in charge. So it is going to be so fun to just uh, watch it happen. But uh, the, reunion, the, you know, the reunion sort of reflects the personality of the chairman for the year, you know, and, and uh, Sadie, our daughter Sadie, is in charge this year, and I think it'll reflect her personality, which will be great. Well, it's just not her, the whole family. The whole family, yeah. Her kids are involved. Little Peter called me last night, the seven-year-old, and asked me, <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have recorded this phone call. You don't even know about this one. No. Peter called, he's seven, and he said, Grandfather, um, would you, I'd like to make an assignment to you for the reunion. <laughs> and I said, okay, what is it, Peter? He said, could you find four trees? We'd like to plant some trees. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of our activities. I can't tell you why we're doing it, but you'll like it when you learn what the reason is, he said. <laughs> So I've oh, got to find four great. trees. That's my assignment to bring four trees. He didn't say how big or how little they could be. Just trees. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid that they're trying to uh, one-upsman every year and do a more spectacular job. It's getting kind of over the top. So yeah. we better uh, go back to simple next year and give permission to just simple. But it is so fun to see what they come up with. Well, today... Um, we are excited in Ayers on the Road about progressing through these 10, top 10. It's always good when you say top 10, you know, it brings you back to other top 10 things you've heard. But the top 10 parenting tips from around the world, that's a little presumptuous. But you should know that, you know, over the last few decades as we've traveled around the world, mostly speaking to parents about parenting and about life balance and about marriage and about all these wonderful things. We have kept track of a lot of things. And one of the things we've kept track of is what we think are the very best ideas we've ever run into. And most of them are need based. I mean, you know, if you, if you had a list of the 10 top worries that parents have or the 10 top needs that they feel or, the 10 top things that they're worried about or concerned about regarding their children, you would find that the top 10 
parenting tips sort of match up. They sort of overlay. And Linda, you know, it's interesting. Um, at first, we wondered if, you know, when you're traveling to Indonesia or you're traveling to Turkey or you're going to speak in Russia or you're going to speak in, you know, um, different parts of Asia, you sometimes say, well, how can we address so many different audiences? The cultures are so different. The the approaches are so different. We need a, a different talk for everywhere we go. But isn't it interesting that when you get to the level of parenting and what parents are worried about and what they're feeling for their children, all the other political and economic and social and cultural differences seem to meld away. We're sort of all the same when it comes to to being parents. It is amazing how much we're the same. And I do have to say in preface to this, I think we got these, we conjured these tips because they were the things we were most worried about. <laughs> That's what we went through all those. That's right. right. I mean, they were as relevant to us as they were to the people we were speaking to. Yeah, it's really, it, it is really fascinating. And there are some different differences in different cultures. And um, I did ask somebody in, oh gosh, somewhere in Asia, you know, how in the world they, their children were so polite and so obedient and, they smiled a big grin and said, it's easy. We have a switch. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, you you hinting that the top 10 parenting tip number five is a switch? Yeah. <laughs> no. In fact, uh, just a, a little aside for a moment, we uh, were in a different church last week. Not not a different denomination, but a different, a different ward, we call it. And um, our Sunday school teacher said, I don't mind telling you that we spank at our house. I'm sorry, but we spank. She was from the South, and it was so well, well, Where are you going with this, honey? Um, just that <laughs> cultures are just a little oh, bit right, different. Right, you know? okay, but okay. but uh, by and large, they are all worried about the same things. They want happy, self-reliant kids who know how to take care of themselves in the end and and how to work their way out of a job. The parents need to work their way out of a job. Well, you use the word switch. I'm gonna use it in a little different way. Um, what parents really, really want is a switch to switch their kids. They want, a, they want like a light switch that they can flip to a different position and have their kids be less entitled, less entitled. So there's, there's your first clue. Uh, Top 10 parenting tip number five is how do we replace these, or how do we get rid of these entitlement attitudes that so many children have today? And I want to just say uh, one more broad thing, and then we'll zoom in on that. Um, a lot of times, and we did this a lot a few years ago, we don't do it quite as much anymore, but we would start off a lot of our speeches or our presentations to parents by saying, what are your biggest concerns? Not what are your best ideas, what are your biggest concerns? And we ended up having a little list of, of the top seven or eight of those concerns, and, and they range from sibling rivalry to substance abuse to some really serious things. But the two that were the top ones everywhere we went, and this sort of gets what, what we were saying a minute ago, Linda, how parents are the same everywhere. No matter where we were in the world, the, the top two, the, the highest degree of worry that parents had were, number one, 
social media and kids who are spending too much time on their screens and, and getting away from other things. And number two, entitlement attitudes. Kids thinking, I, I, I deserve to have everything I want. I deserve to have it right now without working and without waiting. I deserve to not have to think about another kid that has something that I don't have. I'm entitled. I'm entitled. It really is interesting that that is what every parent is now worried about. I mean, we came from parents who lived through the Depression. I mean, that that dates us a little bit, but um, everything was precious and everything was well cared for because it was it was valuable. They had to work for it and 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 you know take and then take care of it afterwards. And now that mentality has well, changed. Well, and, and kids grew up working. Kids, uh, you know, that's another thing we often do. We still do this one a lot in, in speeches. How many of you in the audience talking to parents? How many of you had a job growing up? Some kind of a, a job outside your home. Every single hand, almost. It's very rare that someone doesn't raise their hand. And then we take them in and we say, what did you do? What, what were your jobs? Oh, babysitting, lawn mowing. I worked at a, Pizza I was a place. car hop. I, I, I was a cook. I washed dishes. I, I mean, you know, it's kind of fun actually to see how many different things uh, our generation and even the next generation, those who are now 30, 40, they all had some kind of a job outside the home. They earned some of their own spending money. They they, you know, they, they got busy. They had after school jobs. They had summer jobs. And then comes the, the interesting time. We say, how many of your kids have that kind of jobs today? Yeah. And uh, maybe three or four in an audience of 50. It just doesn't happen as much anymore. But it is really so it's an interesting time. Our kids are growing up in a totally different world than we were, A, because of social media a lot of times and also because of this entitlement attitude. So we did our best to unentitle our kids. I, I think you mentioned the first to get rid of entitlement. No, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way that even we can get rid of entitlement. Now, as adults, sometimes we think we want things that we just only, uh, we need things that we really only want, you know. So yeah. I wanted to say, you know, this, this drives home the point. One, one dad, one father at one of our presentations, um, was pretty bold, I thought. He raised his hand and, you know, we were sort of getting into this entitlement thing just like we are with you now and how how few kids know how to work and how they want things right away. And this guy had the, the sort of audacity, I guess, to say, well, wait a second. What's wrong with entitlement? You know, I think my kids are entitled. They're, they're entitled to what I have. I've worked hard. I've become somewhat successful. I want to give things to them. They are entitled to it. They're my children. They're, by, by nature of being my children, they are entitled. And, I, you know, we've never been asked that in quite such a straightforward way. But someone else in the audience gave a great answer. They, a woman said, you know, the problem with entitlement is what it takes away from you. Kids who are entitled don't feel gratitude. Kids who are entitled don't feel motivation. Kids who are entitled don't have the incentive and creativity to go out and do things for themselves. That's what I'm worried about. The entitlement is the problem because of what it takes away from kids. Yeah, it really, it, and that really is true. 
um, kids um, just expect things instead of being so grateful for things. And we're going to get into a little system in the second half that we've tried. And maybe some of you have heard us talk about this before. Everybody has to adapt it to their own um, their own system and things that work for them with their family. But it is so important to turn things around and make kids feel like they have to earn the things that they get, just like we used to when we were kids, because that is so crucial in in trying to get rid of this or or work with this entitlement attitude that is everywhere. So after we after we take a little break here in a minute or so, we're gonna we're gonna outline a family economy, which is really the idea that that is top 10 parenting tip number five, and it's designed to try to help kids not feel entitled to money and to things. But but we want you to think of this in even a broader way, that entitlement is kind of a mentality. And I wanted to compliment you, Linda, just as we finish this first half of the show, because Linda has always had a way of loving, which I think is amazing. I don't even know if I can fully describe it, but our kids know Linda loves them, but they also know there's a limit. There's a sort of a hard edge to your love, Linda. And when kids try to push you too far or take advantage of you or, or demand something that they haven't really earned, they know they can't do it. I mean, I don't know quite how you do it, but it's a toughness that goes with the love. And we don't see that enough in parents today. We see so many parents who are trying so hard to get their kids to like them and to be their friend. And they're so patient and they're, you know, outrageous. The kids are being outrageous and they're not, they're not remembering the old saying that the only correct response to outrageous behavior is outrage. Parents Which are, I kind of disagree well, with. Well, parents I mean, are, well, but that's no, how you, you are. It, yeah, but your, your kids don't, they don't push the envelope too far because they know there's a limit. Well, you're nice to compliment me, but I certainly, um, ha- I, I am uh, kind of explosive when I, get, <laughs> when I get pushed too far. But let's talk a little more about that in the second half. Really stay with us because we have some solutions that you can adapt to your own uh, needs. So we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road. We're talking today about top 10 parenting tip number five. And by the way, we haven't, uh, we haven't always done these in order. I think now we've still got number six and seven, and we've done maybe number eight. But before we're done, we will have done all 10 top 10 parenting tips on the show. And you can find it on the BYU radio. If you want to go back and pick up some of the earlier ones, we love the BYU Radio website, Linda. It's so easy. They do a great job. Things. Yeah, you can just click on whichever tip you are struggling with at the moment. And you think we could convince some of our kids to listen to it? I don't <laughs> think so, but maybe. Um, anyway, go ahead. Going on. Well, so uh, setting up a family economy. What we mean by that is, can you develop a system? Let's go back to what we said in the first half. You know, most of us uh, who are adults now had some kind of jobs outside the home when we were kids. Most of our kids don't have. Part of that is because they're busier in school. They have more other activities. The world's a little changed. Some of those jobs aren't even available anymore. But here's the question. 
what are you going to do inside of your home? Is it possible to set up some kind of a simple family economy where instead of kids being handed money or given money or given an allowance, there's a, a system where they are in charge of certain tasks, chores, call them what you will, certain part of the home, a certain thing that needs to be done every day, and they actually earn their money within this family economy. And how much they get each week is not some set amount, but it's, it's a varying amount that is directly proportionate to how many of their responsibilities around the home they remembered and did. Well, we had a, a system that was way too complicated. And at one point we said, wait, we need to simplify this. We need to just have four things the kids are expected to do every day, five days a week. And then other things on the weekend, Saturday jobs and so on, but that they are expected to do. And then they get a little money for that. And before I, before the hair goes up on the back of your uh, neck, mm -hmm. I have to say that we never paid a child for cleaning his own room or doing things that he was absolutely. Oh yeah. Good you know. point, Linda. There's a million things kids are expected to do that they don't get paid for. And, and when you set up, if, and when you set up this kind of a family economy that we're going to be talking about in your home, one of the most important things is to be sure kids understand there are just these, these three or four things that they have to remember that they, keep track of that they get paid for on Saturday, which becomes payday instead of allowance day. And that that kind of thinking does not apply to any of the other things that they do just because they're a member of the family. And the best way is to be really open, to say to the kids, you know, this is whether you're talking to an eight year old or a 12 year old or a 16 year old, look, honey, we want you to become responsible for money. We want you to be able to learn how to earn and how to save and how to budget and how to give. And so we're setting up this system. It's called a family economy. These are the things that you need to keep track of and do every day. Um, here's a family bank. It's good to start with a big box of some kind, a big chest, something substantial made out of wood with a big lock on it and name it the first national bank of the Smith family or whatever, and tell kids you can have an account in this bank. And when we have payday on Saturday, this is what you'll be paid out of. This is our family bank. There's money in it. You, you are a member of this bank. Then you'll need a, a, some kind of a pegboard. You'll need something. Well, star to chart, keep track of. a yeah. computer, uh, a computer set up, uh, however you want to do it actually. Our kids are doing computer stuff now. I mean, we had a pegboard that was a physical thing that they could actually stick pegs in. But um, a way to keep track of, a way their, to keep of these track, responsibilities yeah. that they have. And actually, um, we we decided on the four things according to the things that we didn't want to do anymore. Um, yeah, you agree with that? As jobs, parents, yeah. it, it gets so hard to be a parent and drag the kids out of bed every day and try and get them to ate breakfast and get their homework done at night and get their practicing done at night and so on. We just thought we just we're tired of nagging about that. We don't want to do that nagging anymore. So our four things were were very specific and we have to admit things that we did not want to do anymore. And that's OK. I mean, because, again, the whole thing you're trying to do in this family economy is, is shift initiative from yourself to the, to the children. And, you know, if you're a, if you're a mom who 
you know, has to nag the kids endlessly in order to get them to get in bed or to get them to finish their homework or to get them to do their music practice. Use this family economy idea as a way to shift that initiative to them and be honest, be candid. Kids respond to candor. It's like, hey, look, I, I don't want this job anymore. I'm so tired of this job of trying to get you to do your music practice. You know that the reason we want you to practice the piano is because at some point it'll become really fun. But in the early stages, maybe it's not so fun. And so one of your responsibilities every day is going to be to do this. And when you do, you keep track of it. You put a peg in. And on Saturday, there's a little bonus for you remembering it and doing it and not me telling you to do it all the time. So the initiative thing is really powerful here. Well, it really is. And and the other things that, I mean, let's just go through the four pegs because it, you know, just so you'll have an idea. Okay, and but, 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 pegs, but keep in mind that they're not necessarily the, the ones you would choose. That That's one thing. If you're going to set up a family economy to overcome entitlement, first thing you've got to spend a lot, a lot of time thinking about as a parent is just what you want those daily responsibilities. Yeah, but if you day. hear it and you think, aha, that's what we need in our house, then just go ahead. But it'll maybe spark your mind on, well, this is what we need. This is what we need. Now, so think of this. It's good to conceptualize this in form of a pegboard. Here's this pegboard and it says the child's name on it. And the first peg is called the morning peg. And you, you get to put that in. If you get up as a child and get yourself ready and you're out the door on time to school and you don't forget anything and you've had your breakfast and you've got your books and you, you make it on time, that's all you got to do. Just do, But you, you got to do it without being nagged or asked or prompted by your parent. It's your responsibility now. Number two, come home from school and you do your homework and you do it before dinner. Well, and this is for young kids, obviously, and right. sometimes kids have a ton of homework, and sometimes they don't get homework anymore, so figure it out. And in our case, the second peg was also the music practice. So when you get those, the homework and the music practice done, you put in that second peg. The third one, <coughs> maybe the one you would have thought of first, is your responsibility around the home. We called it, we called it the zone peg because each of the kids were in charge of one part of the house, the common areas of the house, not their room, as you pointed out, Linda, but one in charge of the hall, one in charge of the backyard, one in charge of the, the porch and so on, things that everyone uses. And you've got to go there and clean that, make sure it's straight and tidy. We're not going to clean it. If we have a cleaning person, they're not going to clean it. That's yours to check on every single day. Then and then number three, I mean number four, um, was their nighttime peg, and that is making sure their homework is is ready to go the next morning. Set out the clothes they're going to wear so that you're not screaming, "Wear your shoes!" It, and that's not uh, foolproof because they never know where their shoes are when the bus is coming. But um, set things out so that you're ready to go in the morning. And uh, if you you know you you can say have your brush your teeth have your prayer, whatever it is that you do as a routine in your house. It really is good to just have those four little things that they they know they are responsible for. The, the main thing, we call the fourth one, the bedtime peg, because getting an automatic bedtime where kids feel like they need to get their stuff done and get in bed on time and they take that initiative. I mean, how much time do you spend as a parent 
Oh, it's nearly bedtime. Oh, it's past bedtime. Oh, we got to get you in yeah, bed. Yeah. This fighting, this this sort of head knocking, this power struggle. Well, let me just interject here that you don't. We didn't usually start this until our kids were seven or eight. I mean, we did it in this, uh, you know, a modified form. But actually, earning money to do this, I mean, you just can't. Yeah, well, you just have can't to. say to a three-year-old, you know, monitor your own bedtime, and then you've got to be in bed by this certain time. They just don't have that. No, no, you need other methods for the younger kids. But what a blessing to have kids assume those responsibilities, and they're not always happy about it. I mean, the third, and this process of setting it up should take a lot of family meetings. Why are we doing this? Why is it good for you to have responsibility? Why is it a learning experience for you to get money based on something you did and not just have it handed to you? And by the way, many we've now monitored thousands of families who've set up this kind of family economy. And, and, and what they end up doing, and this is almost a predictable pattern, they end up paying the kids more, quite a bit more than they would for an allowance because the other side of this issue is you're not going to be in charge of buying your own stuff. Don't come to me and ask me for when you want a toy or when you want, uh, in many cases, even when you want a new dress or a new pair of pants, you earn the money and you go buy it. You pick it out. Now, that's fraught with interesting things. I mean, kids are going to pick things you don't necessarily want them to pick and so on, but they're learning. They're making decisions. They're, they're buying their own things. That you, It's flattering to them that you're turning over a lot of the decision-making and it releases you as a parent from this constant, can I have this, can I have this, can I have this? And you're now saying, well, let's check how much is in your bank account. Let's look in your checkbook. We wanted our kids to have these little checkbooks that they could write deposit slips out to put money in the family bank. They could write a check out to get money out of the family bank. A lot of parents today do it on the computer. Some parents today that we've that we've worked with even set up a little card reader and they, they, they give the kids credit cards. They want them to learn how to not go into debt and so on. So you can take this as far as you want. Yeah, actually. And it isn't just uh, earning money for their, for their own causes. I mean, we, we ask them the, I mean, actually the, the formula is 10, 20, 70. So you, you give away 10% of everything you earn. And whether it's to your church or whether it's to a good cause or something, then they have to figure out, you know, that they're going to do that. Then, So 20, imagine an eight-year-old now, part of the money he earns, he's going to give away. He perceives it as his money, and now he gets the privilege of giving it. Right. And then 20% is to be saved. It cannot be touched. It is put into an account that uh, is a savings account. And a lot of families pay high interest on that savings account and earmark it and say, this is the money for your mission, or this is the money for your college, or for a part of your college tuition, and so on. And so we've run into families that pay 10% every quarter well, we on have, that saved amount. We have to admit that we, we paid a high We amount. did pay yeah. 10%. We started with like, let's do 7%. And, you know, the seven-year-old's like, no, wait, let's do 10. Then we just all do is move the decimal. I can't figure that out. So, okay, 10, 10 quarterly. That's a lot of money. But it's a great incentive to keep that savings account going. It really has been fun uh, to have kids calculate that on their own. So picture this in your mind. You've got, and this is this is a big deal. This is not something you just do next Monday night when you're meeting with the kids. You need to set this up and really think about it. But imagine now you've got this big chest with a big lock on it, a little slot in the top where kids can put a little slip of paper that 
keeps track of did I get one, two, three, or four points that day? And needs to be signed and by needs a to parent. Be, yeah, the parent has to sign it. Make sure and, they're honest. And your kids have got checkbooks or a computer way of keeping track of what they did. And on Saturday, it's payday. And I love it when dads are the paymaster, the bankers. They open the bank. The bank's open. We're having payday. Kids come in, get their slips out of the bank, add them up. And how much they get is according to how much they did. Uh, as a dad, then you start giving attention to the positive behavior. Wow, son, you got all your pegs for the whole week. That's amazing. Here's your money. Way to go. And the little kid who didn't do so well, you're just, you're not talking to him too much. You're giving me attention. <laughs> Good luck next week. <laughs> uh, but it really is amazing what happens to these kids. Sometimes they just don't do anything. And then they say, oh man, I really need, I need my new gadget, whatever it is, toy or whatever. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I mean, it creates some self-reliance and some grit that it And even a little competition between the kids, which right. is okay. You know, um, we're just, uh, you know, here's the problem, Linda, we're out of time. We haven't, we just hit the tip of the iceberg. This is usually a 90-minute presentation, but help is on the way. If you're interested in this family economy and this overcoming entitlement, but you didn't pick up all these details or we left some out, go to valuesparenting.com, and when you get there, um, Look up in the index and find under other programs, find family economy and, and read up on some details on how to set this up in your home. And how to do that will be on VWAGU Radio. Also, we'll tell you how to get to the link. So we uh, hope this has uh, pricked your mind and helped you think about some things you can do to create some self-reliant children as far as entitlement. And we will see you next week on Ayers on the Road. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.